Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Truman's Town Hall with your host, Matt Truman. Hello, hello, this is Matt Truman. Thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Uh-huh. All right, before I get into the Truman's Town Hall Sunday Night Live, Marshall Usher and Shannon Walker, I'll just say this. Folks, this is the audio podcast, and I promise I will come with a brand new audio podcast later this week. I'm going to play this Sunday Night Live. So if you don't already know, we're going live over on uh, Rumble. We're going live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, right? We're going live on those places. And then I posted over on Getter and True Social and wherever you can find video podcasts. So we're doing a little video podcast. I'm doing it with the Red Rooster, Waylon Fortner right? He and I have been interviewing quite a few different folks. We got some folks lined up. Um, you may be interested to know we may have a Democrat on the next podcast. I've reached out. He said he was going to do it. Here, here's what he said. The NRA can take it and fuck themselves. Whoa. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. That, that wasn't quite what I wanted to. I apologize. If you had young children in the car or this is a family friendly show i apologize but he did say that it's david ezarati he said he was going to come on sunday night live he he said it here matt doc truman and he has a podcast that he runs a video podcast he runs on sunday nights at nine forty-five, i believe and i'm gonna be on there this week i don't haven't had a chance to really watch but we'll make it happen all right, folks, so that should be an interesting podcast. Uh, hope you tune in Sunday at 945. Uh, hope the Red Rooster forgives me for playing that one clip. Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, Sunday Night Lives are going to get interesting. I also put a feeler out, and I got a return message from uh, somebody at the uh, Tory Maris campaign. So she may come on the podcast in a couple Sundays down the road. And I got some other ideas, folks. So uh, stick around. Watch our podcast Sunday nights, 945, Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, right? 
Look at uh, on Facebook, Truman's Town Hall Podcast. Uh, Rumble, I believe, is uh, Truman's Town Hall with no apostrophe. YouTube is Matt, in parentheses, Doc Truman. Uh, Twitter is Truman Doc. So if you folks check those out, like and subscribe so you don't miss a Sunday Night Live. Ooh, that rhymed. Anyway, so later, th- also later this week, there's a lot of news updates with Ukraine, and there's going to be even more throughout the week. I'll just give you a little clip before we go into the Marshall Usher, Shannon Walker, Sunday Night Live, where we had a great discussion. I think you're going to enjoy that one as well. Also on Monday, Belarus ordered its troops to deploy alongside Russian forces near the Ukrainian border. And speaking to France 24, Ukraine's foreign minister reacted. Take a listen. It's a very worrying development, and I think not only for Ukraine, but also to uh, for those EU countries, Lithuania, Latvia, Poland, who border, who border Belarus, because no one can predict what this joint army of Belarus and Russia will do in its territory and how they will behave. So it's a, a deterioration, a serious deterioration of security situation, not only vis-a-vis Ukraine, but also vis-a-vis the European Union. So, Armin, what should we make of a possible Belarusian involvement in the war? Well, it's it's not really clear. I mean, it's pretty vague at the moment. Uh, this regional grouping of forces, uh, clearly it's part of the psychological pressure on Ukraine, but in a way that's been there throughout this whole war. Uh, will Belarus get directly involved or not? That's a question that's been asked for many months. All right, folks, that's just a little bit of what we're going to talk about later in the week. It'll probably be Friday morning. The podcast will drop. I'm, I've got a few things to work on, but I'm going, I'm going to be talking all about Russia and Ukraine. We're going to break it down, uh, Barney style for everyone to enjoy. Um, as much as you can, you can enjoy a podcast, but we can't enjoy the times we're in folks. Russia utilized Belarus to invade down into Kiev or close to Kiev before they supposedly got pushed back, right? Well, not supposedly they did get pushed back or they allowed themselves to push back and then regroup over in the Donbass. Anyway, we're going to talk all about it. Is Putin using the art of war? If when you're strong, pretend you're weak. Or something along the lines of Van Clauschwitz. Folks, a lot to talk about. And I'm going to be working on that. But I want you to hear the Marshall Usher. Who is running as a write-in candidate for governor in the state of Ohio. Along with a write-in candidate for the lieutenant governor in the state of Ohio. Shannon Walker. I want you to hear this discussion we had. The Red Rooster and I. This past Sunday. Hey everybody, it's Matt Truman, Truman's Town Hall. I'm with Waylon, the Red Rooster of the Gospel Message. Today we have a great live broadcast. Tonight we are bringing you Marshall Usher and Shannon Walker, who are running for governor and lieutenant governor in the state of Ohio as write-in candidates. Gentlemen, thank you for joining our podcast tonight. Thank you for having us. I'm uh, excited to be here. So uh, first thing I got to ask is 
you're from Pennsylvania, right, Mr. Usher? That's right. Are, are you a Steelers fan? I am a Steelers fan. Oh, Lord. All right. I, I guess we're done, guys. I mean. <laughs> Although, right. after, that I knew after that performance today, I don't know if I'll still, uh, still play that. But, yes, I, I, I definitely grew up a Steelers fan. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Okay, so, guys, let's start with uh, Mr. Walker. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and – you know, who you are, where you're from, and all that good stuff. Well, I'm Shannon Walker. I'm from Meigs County, Ohio, right on the river, uh, just south of Athens. Um, Ex-law enforcement. I was a police officer for about five years, and I left that, went into corrections for a few years. Ended up having a back injury, had to have surgery after that. I couldn't go back to mm-hmm. it, so I had done an apprenticeship and tattooing and ended up opening my own tat- tattoo studio about six, seven years ago. Nice. Wow. Thank you. Um, Mr. Usher, if, if you don't mind, uh, tell us a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, you, as you mentioned, I did did grow up uh, south of Pittsburgh. Um, it was a pretty, pretty interesting upbringing. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mom uh, who also happened to be a former Marine. So, um, you know, had you know, discipline and, um, you know, just doing the right thing because it was the right thing to do. Uh, not because someone was looking over your shoulder was something that, you know, m- my sister and I were, were just raised around. And uh, so you know, that's really one of the reasons we decided to jump into this was, you know, there was no way that I could bring myself to vote for uh, either of the two choices. And, you know, whenever you want, you know, you see something wrong, you can either sit back and, and not do anything about it and keep your mouth shut or you can step up and do something about it. And, you know, because of that, here we are. Awesome. So, um, I guess the first question uh, I'd want to ask is, why why governor? Why not like secretary of state or something local? What what sparked your interest to to go straight for governor and lieutenant governor? Now, that that's a great question. Um, so, really, it was you know we had built a network. Um, so let me back up a step. So, the way I met Shannon was volunteering with the Joe Blystone campaign. And, you know, I started with the campaign in October of last year, um, you know, started running signs, handing out T-shirts and quickly, quickly realized that, you know, while I could really get behind Joe's platform, um, he needed help translating that platform into actionable policy. So I sat down and took everything I heard him talking about, you know, online, you know, on the on the uh, on the trail and boiled it down into the Blystone plan for Ohio. So there were really three, three buckets of, of things that you could do, right? So here, there were a couple of things that you could do on day one because he already had the law on his side. So you know, whether he could take action through executive fiat, there were a handful of bills that were going through the legislature. And, you know, we said, okay, here are a couple that we can get behind um, as is. There's some others that we'd like to see some minor changes to, but, they align with the platform, so let's work with our partners in the legislature and see if we can get these through. And then there were a couple of things that you know, are important to Ohioans and we didn't really know enough about. So we were going to form a 90-day commission, go out, do the research, come back, present the you know, both sides of the argument, and make an informed decision there. So you know, it was really that exposure to you know, the, the broader platform, um, looking at that was kind of what got me into it. And then the, the real reason was, um, you know, after, after Joe was unsuccessful, 
Um, I think like a lot of other Patriots around the state, my plan B was Neil Peterson. And after Neil didn't make it on the ballot, then you, know, you kind of look around and say, well, I'm not going to vote for either of those two. And right. we had the opportunity, the platform, and uh, you know, we, we jumped in to, to give a lot of folks in Ohio a, another option. Um, you know, a lot of folks we talked to weren't going to vote. And you know, I said, instead of, you know, mm. to me, not voting is just sitting back and taking it. And uh, you know, having been raised with the, the background that I was, <laughs> that's just out of my DNA. So you know, we approached a handful of folks that had more money and more name recognition than us to try to get them to run. And for very good, valid reasons, they either couldn't or wouldn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you either step up and do something about it or you shut your mouth and stop complaining. And, you know, we decided that we were going to step up and do, try and do something about it. Awesome. Mr. Walker, what do you what do you feel? Uh, what What's driving you to do this? Well, being a small business owner, DeWine stepped in and shut a bunch of small businesses down. I closed for about three weeks and then reopened. They threatened to find me, threatened me with jail time. Uh, I, I basically told them to go ahead, and when the prosecutor's office reopened, everything was dismissed. Uh, <laughs> he, he really crossed my red line by shutting the state down, killing small businesses, letting the big businesses flourish. Uh now he claims he never shut down churches, but he wasn't allowed to have gatherings of more than 10 people. I don't know many churches that only have nine people that show up for church on Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Wednesday night, you know. Right. He, he did a lot wrong during the COVID pandemic. And I just, that that was the end of it for me. That's when I decided to start looking for a candidate to get behind. I found Joe about three weeks after he signed on, went to the farm, met him came home, designed signs and stuff for him, took him back up the next weekend, and we was off to the races from there. Like Marshall said, we already had two other, or I already had another candidate when he fell through. We was getting our stuff ducks in a row to start back in Peterson, and then he fell through. So yeah. we, we can't ask other people to jump up and do this if we ain't willing to step in and do it ourselves. Yeah, nice. So you designed uh, Mr. Blystone signs? Yes, Oh, yeah, they, I came I, home. I talked I saw to Joe. Those and, everywhere. All right. Yeah, I came home and I talked to Joe, and he said he thought it was too early, so I went ahead and designed them, ordered a few of them, took them back up to him, and they was gone within an hour that day. And he called me back and said, "How soon can we get more?" <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> were awesome. Off to the races. All right, so um, I'm going to ask both of y'all this: if you could paint a picture. For the future of Ohio, what would it look like? I know on the website, um, I will uh, slap that up there real quick. Um, Sunshine Plan is, is something that's that's you guys have developed so or you're looking at. So tell us what, what kind of a, a Ohio we would have under Usher Walker. So I, I like to say it would look a lot like Florida without with uh, with a lot more snow. Um, but you know, the <laughs> thing is we don't have to come up with the best ideas. You know, we have conservative leaders across the country that we can look to and, you know, take the ideas that they've successfully implemented. And Ron DeSantis has been kind enough to actually write it down and call it the DeSantis playbook. 
Now, you know, I tell people on the on the road that no team can pick up another team's playbook and just run it verbatim. So you know, we looked at the programs, looked at you know the specifics that he put in place, and adopted what we could and adapted what didn't quite fit exactly, and came up with this ten pillar plan that I believe will you know the one theme that you'll see consistent across both you know the DeSantis plan and ours is the theme of restoring the freedoms that we've lost over the, the last few years. You know, putting mm-hmm. our children first in terms of you know ending abortion making sure that they are you know, educated not indoctrinated um and you know really standing up for medical freedom the fact that we have a, uh, a republican supermajority in this state and we couldn't even get a medical freedom bill out of out of committee you know that's an indictment on on all of those so-called republicans that that had a hand in that so yes those are some of the the, the big tenants um you know, one of the others that everyone is concerned about right now is is the safety of their streets. You know, whether it be from repeat violent offenders or um, the you know inflow of of illegals and and narcotics. Um, you know, one of the I think one of the differences that you'll see with our platform, you know, we are talking about fentanyl in a way that I don't think others are. You know, we I believe in in um, drug dealers facing capital punishment in uh in ohio so if you sell methamphetamine you sell opioids that kill somebody you should be eligible for capital punishment i look at fentanyl differently if i if i showed up at you know in downtown and i had a bag of of anything of something and i said there's enough chemical in this bag to kill however many people you know you you name it it's it's a lot and just by getting a very small amount in you it will kill you that would be classified as a weapon of mass destruction I want to see people that are putting fentanyl on our streets addressed like we would address, you know, any other weapon of mass destruction if it was unleashed on our people. You know, it's it's coming in from China. We know that. And I will tell you that you have you will have a governor that's going to put an end to it in, in our state. Um, one of the other opportunities that we have is to attract a lot of the law enforcement that are fleeing a lot of these other woke cities. Um you know, one of the, the couple things that that Florida has done is set a mandatory or a, a minimum salary of sixty thousand dollars for law enforcement coming in. Um, I would love to see grants made available. You know, it costs about seven or eight thousand dollars for a an officer coming in from another state to study and pass all of the state specific exams. So we want to remove that barrier. And then, you know, one of the other big things is we believe that having corrections officers and law enforcement, firefighters, and other first responders, that they, you know, we believe it's a good idea for them to live in their district. So we would love to extend the homestead exemption to cover all of our first responders, you know, make it easy for them to buy homes and, and live in, in the districts with the people they serve. Uh, so, you know, those are, are just a handful. Um one, one thing that I can also promise is that we will never infringe on your Second Amendment rights. Um, you know, one of the, the two uh, executive orders that I would plan on signing on, on day one, the first would be the executive order on medical freedom. So outlawing any, um, you know, any mandatory or compulsory uh, participation in, in any healthcare system. You know, read Article 20 or Section 1, Article 21 of the Ohio Constitution. We already have the, the authority to do that. We need a governor that will stand up and, and have the guts to do it. But the other one will be establishing Ohio as a Second Amendment sanctuary state. So no uh, no police powers granted to the state by the federal government will be used to enforce any unconstitutional gun laws. 
So things like um, the so-called you know, assault weapons ban, uh, universal yeah. ground checks. You know, none of that will <laughs> will happen in Ohio. And I'm sure you did guys you see. Did you see how the credit card companies are looking? I, to... I, was, I was just going to bring that up. I said, I'm sure yeah. you guys are aware, but maybe your viewers aren't. Yeah, the credit card companies, um, they came up with a, a, a merchant code that allows them to track ammunition and firearm purchases. So in effect, creating a, a private gun registry. So yeah, we need, you know, we need to push legislation that won't allow that to happen in Ohio. Excellent. Rooster, you got a question? You had something, bud. Well, I do. I'm lagging real bad. Can you guys hear me at least? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um... What would be the first thing, the big changes you would make to the to the state budget? Is there anything in particular that you would do immediately? So there's a, a couple things. One, I think if you look at the capital budget, there's a lot of money that's being spent on, you know, things that I don't think a lot of us would make priority. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, $23 million to being spent on dorm facelifts. That's, that's the line item facelifts for Ohio university or Ohio state. Um, you know, there's another $20 million plus allocation for, you know, dorm refurbishments, other, other places, $16 million for FC Cincinnati to build a new soccer field. Listen, when times are great that, you know, I want our kids to have nice dorms and, and, you know, nice soccer fields, but, you know, not before our veterans have, you know, adequate veterans homes, for instance. Uh, a lot of folks don't know that we only have two VA homes in, in the state, one in, uh, you know, by Cleveland, one in Georgetown. And both of them were built on gifted land. So there's no strategy around where they were placed. And if you are, if you have a veteran that is anywhere from Cle- or, uh, Columbus to the Southwest, it could be two and a half, three hours to get grandma or grandpa into a veteran's home. So that would be one thing is reallocating you know, a lot of that capital budget from you know, a lot of the dorm refurbishments or, or cosmetic things. We, we, we didn't touch things like HVAC repairs or roofing repairs, you know, those things you need. But, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I have a problem with spending 200 plus million on dorm re- refurbishments whenever we can build three VA homes over the next three years for, you know, 250 million. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, not to mention these colleges have billion-dollar coffers sitting around, and they don't have to match this money dollar for dollar. They don't have to do anything. State's just throwing it at them. And I'm a firm believer in open markets, right? 
So one of the other changes is instead of directly funding universities, I would love to see the scholarship pool made you know, made available to Ohio students, you know, extremely you know, much larger. Um, then if Ohio State has the best value for their students' dollar and they get the students, then they'll have enough money to go refurbish their dorms however they want. But, you know, the direct funding to the universities, I think that I would love to see uh, that mechanism change right there as well. Right. That sounds good. Um, a, a lot of things that happened uh, recently with Hurricane Egan. So I live out here in Beaver Creek. I, I, did, I lived out in Texas during the time that, of the tornado, but there's tornadoes, there's floods all over Ohio. How do you guys respond to a statewide emergency? What, what's, what would be your plan to go after something like that? Have you thought about so, it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's one of the, you know, I think the, the biggest things that should keep governors up at night is, is how you respond to that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, again, I would look to our, our friends in the South, whether that's, you know, Greg Abbott or, or Ron DeSantis. And the one thing that you will learn from there, the one thing I've learned from, from my business career is you put capable people in place. Your job as a leader is to remove the hurdles and you let them go do their job. And that's exactly what we would do. Um, you know, one of the questions I, I love this, I I've gotten a couple of times now out on, the, out on the trail is, uh, you know, having not been in politics, how are you going to appoint all of these positions? You don't know enough people. And, and it makes me laugh. And it's like, I would hire them just like we do in business. We would look at resumes. We would make sure that they were qualified. We would make sure that they were thinking about the objectives the same way we were. And then we would hire them. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like a complicated question, but it's, it's like you said, it's pretty simple. You just, you hire them. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, so, a lot of politicians uh, seem not to live in reality, for me, anyway. I'm not a big fan of politicians. Um, how do you, you guys, to me, and I've been watching the videos, the interviews. I saw you speak out there in Brookville. You guys seem like a man, uh, men for the people. How do you get into, so you're going to win as governor and lieutenant, lieutenant governor. So how do you maintain being men of the people and still, uh, you know, navigate the political waters, if you will. Okay. You want to jump on that one, Shannon, first? To, to me, it's pretty simple. You put the people's interests first over the yeah. political interests. I, I mean, we're, we're not getting into this to make careers out of it. If at the end of four years, people still want us and we'll still be here. But for us, it's about the people. We're tired of watching the people get left behind. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly it. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I've got a, a day job. I've got three kids and a wife. And, you know, I'm I'm very happy coaching soccer and, and raising my kids. And, uh, you know, but you, you look around the state and you see the condition that it's in and the direction it's going. And, then, you know, at some point, guys like us look around and say, all right, hold my beer. I'll be back. We've got some work to do. Yep, and right. you know, it's being staying grounded is not going to be a problem. I mean, it's right. what you see is what you get. Um, I'm a pretty transparent guy, and I don't see anything changing that. Nope. Whalen's not. He's he's pretty fake. He. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my my screen is completely froze. I'm like a twenty delay, so you guys will just have to get me on that. I do got a question though. Uh, can you hear me still? Yeah. yeah. We can hear you, okay. Waylon. I just, yeah, I'm just looking at it. I'm froze. It's weird. Anyway, uh, 
You're drinking water. Even though, yeah, um, that was 20 <laughs> seconds ago. Um, I know you mentioned the uh, the vaccines earlier and different things about DeWine and, and the shutdowns. Um, when you're talking about the medical freedom, you're talking about no vaccine forced as far as the the COVID vaccine, right? Nothing forced. What about the, our, our National Guard? No, no, any no. vaccine for any for any people, and right. and you know the National Guard is um, it, it's tough because it's it, it once they deploy, they fall under the federal jurisdiction. So the, right. the governor loses you know, loses control over Article that. Ten. Yeah, but I am telling the the thing. There's and, and and I'm not for or against the vaccine. You know, personally, I'm for making your own choice about the vaccine, right. and you should not be forced to put anything in your body, let alone an experimental vaccine, without your informed consent. And I think everybody knows that whenever you ask for informed consent on the COVID vaccine specifically, you would open up that big page and it was blank. That's a problem. So there's no way that I'm going to force people to take a leap of faith on, you know, on, on a drug that doesn't have informed consent. No way. Um, there's a, a question from the audience, if y'all don't mind. Um, what is your stance on sex education in the school system? Does it have a place in schools? Now, I do know because I've been reading up on House Bill uh, 722, but I'll, mm -hmm. I'll let y'all go after that question if you want. To, yeah, to so go ahead, Dick Shannon. Yeah. Sex education has a place in school if it's sex education like it was taught 20 years ago. But this neutral gender and all this other stuff has no place in school. That That's not a discussion for any teacher to be having with anybody's child. That's a discussion for the parent to have with the children. That's what I'm talking about. You can't see me, but I'm double fist bumping right now. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> You just if you're having it. that kind of talk with a child in school about taking medications and stuff, change their gender, you don't need to be a teacher. You should be on a sexual predator list somewhere. There you go. Amen. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks for the question, Billy. Um, so <clears throat> what's your opinion on the Ohio Republican Party? Uh, is the leadership <laughs> moving to the left, the party as a whole? Uh, I ask this because uh, of, of all the extreme edicts, like never in my life did I think a Republican governor, which, you know what, let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to play Go something it. here real quick because we were talking earlier about closing Mr. Walker's business now. And this goes hand in hand with that. Um, this morning, uh, pretty early, I started getting some emails and texts from people in different locations in Ohio. Uh, and each one that sent me something, once actually sent a picture, uh, were concerned about the crowded bars in their area last night. Um, we talked about and we set a limit of 100 people. And we talked a lot uh, in the last few days about social distancing and the, and the necessity of people uh, remaining apart from each other, at least six feet. 
we also uh, are learning and we continue to learn as this moves forward, uh, but how contagious uh, this coronavirus is. Uh, several things I've read uh, indicated it's twice as contagious as the flu. Mm. Uh, we also know that it's much, much, much more deadlier than, than the flu. So the social distancing is, is absolutely vitally, vitally important. Um, after looking at these, at this picture, but also hearing from people, and literally these were from the Mahoning Valley um, to Cleveland uh, to Southern Ohio. And all the same story. Um, the concern also that I have and that the people who are contacting me is that uh, one of our happier days of the year, St. Patrick's Day, uh, is coming up. And we're two days away from St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day when people, people get together uh, and crowd into bars. Uh, and so based upon all, all of this and based upon the fact of where we are at this point, in this pandemic, we are literally at a crucial, crucial, crucial stage. Um, Dr. Acton uh, will be signing an order uh, that all bars in the state and all restaurants uh, will close at nine o'clock tonight. Uh, how long this order will be in effect, uh, we don't frankly know. All right. <laughs> What, what's you guys' reaction to that? I mean, people forget that that was Mike DeWine. People are forgetting that was Mike DeWine, so I wanted to remind them. What, what do you guys think? It, it's crazy. I mean, you know, there's so many things to unpack there. Um, one is you know, go back to the, the flu of 1918, right? So Mike DeWine decides to shut down an entire industry in the state because he got a couple emails. Yeah. Well, if he wants to do some reading, why doesn't he go back and read the history of the flu of 1918 and do with some reading on some of the, the contraptions that they tried to put over their face to try and stop the spread of that flu? And, and you know, go back and, and look at, at Anthony Fauci whenever he was first asked about, you know, are we going to be running around as a society with masks on our face? And he laughed. He laughed at that question mm -hmm. in the beginning of this thing. So he sure you know, did. Wants to go back and do some research. I would, I would advise him to stop being selective on the research that he does, and uh, and let's look at the the breadth of that. So that's one thing. Two, you know, we would never shut down an industry or or a state. You know, the the message coming out. The one thing I'll give him is we didn't know at the beginning. We didn't didn't really know. Um, so our message would have been, hey, we're adults. Let's be careful. Let's be thoughtful. But go live your life. You know, and and again, that should be the message is do your own research, make your own decisions and make this the, the decisions that are are best for you. Um, you know, and uh, we have gotten just so far away from from individual rights and individual freedoms. It's amazing what people will give it give up for a, a bit of perceived safety. And, mm -hmm. and that's all it was. And if you've read any of the history books about the, the pandemics of the past, that, that's exactly how it plays out is you, you, you trade your, your safety for, you know, um, security, the, the government coming in. Yeah. For your, for your freedom. And, and yeah, we've, we've seen that play out 
how many times before and it won't happen on our watch. What do you say, Mr. Walker? When you when you watch old clips, that I think that clip was like two years ago. And then what we see now. Oh, I'm right there with Marshall. I mean, it's all about the freedom to of individual choice. It's up to the government to secure your freedoms, not protect your safety. I mean, they're, they're, it's not their responsibility ability to close down businesses and kill small businesses. I mean, I, I couldn't have three clients in my tattoo shop, but Lowe's could have 200 people running around. Right. That itself exactly. shows you it had nothing to do with public safety. Because if you're going to leave the big box stores open where hundreds of people pass through their day, that's not safety. That, that's about doing nothing more than hurting the small businesses and the middle class. Right. Yeah. Waylon, did you have something? Well, again, I apologize for the delay. At least you can hear me. Um, I was doing celebrating over what one of you said earlier on my hands up, and it, it showed up 45 seconds later. So at least you can hear me. Anyway, um, would you ever, can this goes uh, to both of you, would you ever entertain the idea of making Ohio uh, a sanctuary state for illegal immigrants? <laughs> Absolutely no. not. Okay, no. good. That's huge. Actually, one of the, the first posts that we made after we announced, um, you know, one of the articles that broke in the newspaper about the, the busing to you know, one of the uh, sanctuary cities and or no, no, I'm sorry. It was the Martha Vineyard. That's what, it was the Martha's Vineyard trip. And I laughed. That's, you know, I, I love the idea. My only issue is Martha's Vineyard is a little bit too close to Ohio. So we looked up Nancy Pelosi's address in San Francisco, and that's where we would start to send buses of uh, any illegals that we caught in Ohio. So right down to her, her, the, her office. Well, California is a sanctuary state, I think. There I think go. Gavin Newsom yeah. loves it. Welcome with open arms. <clears throat> Yeah. Now we uh, we we trade them our illegals for their vets. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, just a little follow up on that. What about in Ohio with the illegal immigrants? As far as the housing, them having to survive to work. Listen, I I believe that we should make it hard for people that got it that came into this company illegally to survive. They should not be here illegally, and I believe that you you have to have an ID for you know pretty much everything that you want to do um, in this, in this state and to not have an ID to vote. Um, you know, that's, that's crazy. The, the fact that we're even talking about that as a, a constitutional amendment on the upcoming election, but, right. and, and don't think that I am inhumane by taking that. What's inhumane is inviting them here without a support system to, you know, for them to come into. But no, I don't believe that they should be taking jobs from Americans. They shouldn't be taking health care. That, you know, no, they, we should be making it difficult for them to, to live here. Right. Um, let's see here. Uh... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When, uh, okay, here, here's something that bothers me, and I don't know if it bothers you guys. 
when folks say there's a lot of talk about democracy that undermines our democracy, all this stuff, it bothers me because we live in a republic. Does that bother you as much as it bothers me? It it does. I mean, it's, it's an indictment, right, of, of kind of where their, their knowledge of the system. You know, we are a representative republic for a reason. You know, the electoral college exists for a reason. Um, you know, just go read the Federalist Papers, do your homework. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's what, it's just, it, it's, it's frustrating, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of, it, at least you know the level that you're starting that conversation on. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of folks trying to drive that because they look over a lot of liberals, okay? I love the liberals, but uh, a lot of them look to Europe and they feel like, hey, I want that European model here in America. So they're, a lot of them are democracies, so we're just going to drive that word democracy, democracy, until we have something that we want, which is a European democracy. Well, no, we're a republic for a reason here in the United yep. States, and that's because we left Europe a while back. Anyway, that's yeah, my Europe's a socialist democracy, and, and believe me, so yeah. I worked for Rolls-Royce for a handful of years. I spent quite a bit of time in, in the UK. Um, I will tell you that that is not the health system I want. Um, that right. is not the government that I want. So, yeah, I'm perfectly happy with our representative republic. <laughs> what, what are some, some of the things that you experienced with that? Mm. So, fortunately, I never had to uh, to enter into the public health system for an injury or, or whatnot. But, you know, just colleagues waiting months for elective surgeries. Um, mm. You know, you want to get them done at the beginning of the year because, you know, at the end of the year, the health system runs out of money and, it, and it's tough to get them scheduled. So you know, we are the, the richest, most wealthy country in the world. Like that is not the system that we should have. Right. Um, so I got another one here. Um, I've essentially given up on mainstream media. That's me. I, I look to different, different outlets. I'll, I'll watch mainstream media just as the know what your enemy does kind of thing. Um, but it's always the same stories that the mainstream media could, always the same stories being delivered uh, in a slightly different way. They, they twist it up no matter who it is. Uh, one of the most important things uh, is the Russia and Ukraine war that's, that's happening right now. Um, so, but the mainstream media continues to push this Russia, Russia narrative, kind of like they did with Trump. The, the current administrations I feel want to go to war with Russia, uh, the mainstream media pushed uh, WMDs in Iraq. Turned out there were no. They found a little yellow cake uranium. They said, uh, but there were no WMDs. So now they're pushing war, war, war with Ukraine and Russia. As governor and lieutenant governor, how would you guys react to that? Man, we better prepare. Um, yeah. You know everything from preparing for disaster to preparing energy security, uh, because I I agree. I you know I think Tucker Carlson did a, a report on this a, a week ago or so, uh, where he talked about there was a, a agreement on the table for basically Ukraine to not or to agree not to join NATO. Um, I think the the uh, territories in the Donbass were were up in the air, but. Russia would pull out. And it was the Biden administration that 
that squashed the deal. So I, I think that your assessment is spot on. I, I absolutely think that they're, they're trying to steer us to, to a world war. Um, but you know, what we would do here is you know, being that the governor has limited international powers. Um, I can assure you right. that, that be prepared, um, from our national guard to, you know, putting in things like, you know, a lot of the, uh, Going back to the European countries, one of the things that they do do well is prepare their citizens for for fighting. Like the Finns and the Swedes, um, you know, they've got very robust national defense plans that take into account the citizenry. Um, so I think there's a lot of lessons that we could learn there as well. Yeah, I I rolled with the uh, the Swedes in Afghanistan. Uh, they uh, they actually have uh, a pretty sweet chow hall. We would always if we were out, we we're going to go back. To our, no, let's go to the Swedish chow. <laughs> the Swedes and the Germans had some pretty good grub. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's. What are you, what are you guys' take on uh, Ohio issue one and issue two? I'll just. I'm, I'm sure you guys have been looking at this a lot. Yeah. So the. So I'll, I'll jump in on this. I mean, the fact that we're even having these conversations is is it blows my mind. I mean the. You know, the fact that you know, should illegal aliens be allowed to vote? Um, like, no. So educate yourself. Make sure that you understand um, you know, what what way you have to vote on on each of the issues to make sure that our conservative views are represented. And the fact that you know, we absolutely have to allow judges to take into account the history of the criminal, the impact on the danger to society. Um, if we don't, then you know, we we're going to just rubber stamp the revolving door that we've seen prosecutors put in place already in other cities. So we, we absolutely have to step up. The good news is if you see some of the polling, um, it looks like, you know, the polling is showing that, you know, the, we are going to side on the, uh, the right here, but man, the fact that we're even having these conversations speaks volumes about where we are as a state. Right. Indeed. Um, Mr. Walker, what, what are your thoughts on issues one and two? My biggest one on issue two is if it becomes part of the high constitution, I believe that that gives the state a little bit of leverage. If the Biden administration comes in and says tomorrow, hey, all illegals can vote in the United States now. So that gives us a part of our constitution. And that would be a separation of powers because elections are not delegated to the government to control. It's up to the states to control their own. So that would stop him making an executive order that would override a state constitution so we could still stop them from voting here and determining who was going to get placed into office. That's the only meat that I see in doing this. I wish they wouldn't have done the wordplay on it. I wish they had just made it plain and simple. Can illegals vote here? Yes or no? Definitely. But, so you, you people need to be aware that they need to vote yes on this to get it to stop. Um, so I live outside of Dayton. Um, grew up in and around Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I believe it was U.S. News and World Report. I can't, don't quote me verbatim, but we were listed, Dayton, as the fifth most deadliest city in the United States. You were a yep. uh, former uh, law enforcement, <laughs> Mr. Walker, and I'm sure, Mr. Usher, you have uh, uh, some type of a, idea on how you would handle crime here in the state of Ohio. So I'll just open that up to you guys. I I don't want to see Dayton 
And you know what? Cincinnati and Cleveland, I think, made the top ten as well. So it's not looking good for Ohio. What do you guys? Yeah, there there are three Ohio cities that broke all time records for murders last year. And and to your point, you know, Dayton was one of the, the most dangerous in the in the country. Um, we know what the problem is. It's repeat violent offenders. Yep. And the fact that these got these repeat violent offenders are out there um, for months on a time with outstanding felony warrants is a travesty. So one easy thing that uh, fix that the governor can make instantly is I want to see the um, the size of the SRT, the state the state police strategic uh, response or tactical team, tripled. There's 31 members right now, men and women across the state, and I want to see you know two thirds of them doing nothing but serving felony warrants, by repeat violent offenders for the first however many weeks it takes to get them all off the street. And you'll be seeing perp walks multiple a day of these guys getting taken off the street, put behind bars, and hopefully you know, uh, kept there if we can get them in front of the right prosecutors and judges. Have, have you ever um, watched any, I don't know, press conferences or anything with the sheriff out of Butler County? Uh, yeah. he, seemed, he seems like a pretty, pretty no-nonsense sheriff. Yes. Um, would you guys try to bolster up, you know, the sheriff's kind of separate in all of this, but would you kind of bolster up the, the sheriffs in Ohio and say, Hey, we got your back and we'll take care of it. You. you don't have to, you don't have to worry 100, anymore. hundred percent. I know, I know you're passionate about this. You want to jump on that? Yeah, we, we would 100% back up all law enforcement in the state. Uh, something else that's got to happen too is when these guys get put away, we, we've got to reform corrections also. Uh, okay. We, we've got to take these things away from being adult daycare camps and turn them back into actual correctional facilities. If people don't feel like they're getting punished, then what's to deter them from doing crimes? So, so how do you how do you see that going about? <clears throat> what is it? H- how do you see uh, reforming the correctional institutes? Well, the, the first think? step is get. The first step is getting somebody in charge of them that's actually got some sort of experience in corrections. It's not appointing your buddy that made a huge donation to your campaign to these positions. It goes back to what we was talking about earlier, actually forming a committee and hiring people that are qualified for the job. Because you put somebody in charge of corrections and knows nothing about them, they, they're not even allowed to refer to them as, inba- as inmates or convicts now. Mm. They have to refer to them, what was it, as, uh, I can't remember what it was. But, yeah, they, they completely changed it. You can't even call an inmate an inmate. I mean, oh, these people different. aren't there for going to church too much. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on private uh, prisons? <clears throat> I know that's a, big, that's a big thing that folks talk about uh, a lot is uh, private prisons and how how it's not good for our justice system what do, what do you think on private prisons yeah I, i'm not a fan and and, and and you know one of the you know base or founding things that you know foundational things that a government should provide is protecting the citizenry and i just don't think that that's something that should be outsourced um yeah you know so yeah no. I, mean, I think that's a core function of what government should be doing and you know those are things that we should be we should be good at quite frankly is we should be good at making sure that we reduce recidivism recidivism easy for me to say (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i I agree with him on that now as far as like your regional jails and stuff where it's temporary housing 
I, I would be completely fine with outsourcing that kind of stuff because it's typically a temporary two, three day thing. A lot of times your local gels and stuff are overflowing. So that's the only place that I could even see the private sector even being involved. There's a couple other things too, right? You know, just you know, correctional reform. I mean, the use of force yeah. rule. I mean, they have they have handcuffed our own correctional officers to where they're going to get somebody hurt or worse. And, you know, I want to make sure that, that those men and women have the ability to, and you know, the capability to protect themselves. Uh, two, we need to get them paid. Uh, there's a lot of them that are still out there that haven't been paid from from the COVID uh, uh, hazard pay that they wrote. Uh, really? So that's a that's a huge mm-hmm. priority that is just yeah. being completely overlooked by our current governor. And then I think a, a big thing, you know, the corrections officers came out in droves to support Joe. So I had a chance to meet a lot of them. And I did not recognize the fact that they are not actually classified as law enforcement in Ohio. Um, hmm. They are they are separate from from law enforcement, and you know there are a lot of benefits that come along with that. So I, that's one of the things that I'd love to explore as well is to see, you know, why is that? What would that mean by bringing them over under that blanket? And um, because I think that it makes a lot of sense to to do at, at face value. But yeah. you know, those are just three things off the top of my head. And then you mentioned sheriffs. Um, I think. The another thing that the governor has at their disposal is the bully pulpit. And, you know, sheriffs are vitally important to protecting our constitutional rights. You, know, you had a sheriff that um, that basically had to sign off on a on a raid at Mar-a-Lago. Right. Uh, you know, so I will tell you that as governor, um, I would have a hard I would have a hard time if a sheriff in, in our state signed off on what everyone knows is a, a politically motivated uh, great. Um, you know, the sheriffs are there to, pr- to protect the constitution and, uh, you know, we'll make sure that the, the sheriffs that are elected are, are doing that. And the ones that aren't doing that, you know, we're going to shine a really bright light on them to make sure that the, the folks that put them there know exactly who they're uh, representing. Definitely. So I'll, I'll start with you, Mr. Usher. What are your thoughts directly for Mike DeWine and, uh, Nan Whaley? We'll just start with, uh, Mike DeWine. So I think, you know, we know what we're going to get from Mike DeWine. And we saw whether, whether it was, you know, we took the trip down memory lane a, a little bit ago. Um, if we would have went another, you know, 18 months, we would have had video clips of him pushing red flag laws. So, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he runs to the right during campaign season, um, it, it's not fooling everyone anymore. You know, there's a lot of patriots like yourselves that have, have taken to the airwaves to, to shine a light on it. And then you've got guys like Shannon and I that, you know, just are putting our lives on hold for, for a little while to see if we can do something about it. Um, so I would I, say I think that, you guys are doing a little bit more than that because it seems like the top echelon really comes down. I know they went hardcore on Mr. Blystone there, um, and, and if you step out of line, if you're not one of us and you don't get in line, we're going to come down on you. Yeah. And you guys worked in the Blystone campaign, saw what happened to him and still stepped up. And I, I think that's pretty tremendous. And, I got, I got to say that because that's right. That. And you know what, but, but it's not even us. I mean, there were, if, if, they come and do the same thing to us. There's going to be five more Patriots behind us that are going to take the mail. And we've said this from the beginning. I mean, that's how I kind of see our role in this is taking that mantle from guys like Joe and Mark Bikita and, you know, the citizen candidates 
We're going to run as far as we can with it. We're going to find someone that's better positioned than us. We're going to make that exchange and then we're going to root them on for the, you know, and, and let them run it forward. Um, but you know, that's, that's how we're going to make a difference is by going out there, telling our friends, talking to the people that we don't normally talk to, you know, beforehand we were talking, uh, before we went live, you know, we've talked about a couple of the events we've had over the last few, few weeks. And you know, we were up in Cleveland, um, at a, an event downtown and, um, you know, we were, we we're one of, uh, we we're actually the only right, right leaning candidate that, sh- that showed up, um, wow. a couple of Democrats, uh, another independent. But you know, one of the things we heard from a lot of folks up there is the people that live here have right-leaning um, ideology, but the Democrats are the ones that come down and talk to them. So we don't, they don't think that the Republicans want their vote. Mm. And it, you know, obviously nothing could be further from the truth. I don't care you know, how much money you have in your pocket or what color your skin is. You know, we're all Americans, and that's, you know, we all want the same things. We want good schools and opportunity for good jobs. We want safe streets. I mean, it's, it's pretty fundamental. And if you focus yeah. on that kind of stuff, it's a message that's been resonating across the state. Yeah. I'm an infrastructure guy too. I, we we got to have good roads. They got to be safe, but they got to be good. We got to have bridges that work, water that runs, trash that gets picked up. Um, so, so I'm an infrastructure guy too. And, you know, so working at Rolls Royce, one of the things that people don't realize is in energy, um, we made a pitch where, we are at, did you know that most of Ohio is actually closer to a deep water port than Houston, Texas? Whenever you take into account traffic, Mount Vernon, Ohio was closer to a deep water port in Cleveland than mm-hmm. you were on the northwest side of Houston, Texas. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so you, we've got a tremendous amount of infrastructure in the state that is completely underutilized. Um, you know, as when I was there at, or when I was at NetJets, I was tapped on the shoulder to lead a project to bring an aerospace maintenance center of excellence to the state. So I partnered with some of the folks from the governor's office, uh, Jobs Ohio, uh, the Edison Welding Institute, EWI. Uh, they were going to serve as an incubator. And, you know, one of the things we found in addition to you know, underutilized infrastructure like the airport out in Youngstown, great uh, access, really good uh, utilities, nothing's happening there. Um, so you know, there's a lot of opportunity that across the state that's underutilized. But the other thing I learned was it has nothing to do with how good the idea is. We were able to put forth an idea that was self-funding within two years and would return a portion of proceeds of any intellectual property that was developed out of that center of excellence to the state. And they, they, it never, it died on the vine. Um, and it died on the vine Why? because the right people in the room shaking their head, the right direction. And, you know, there were other, other priorities. Well, you know, mm-hmm. what other priority should, could you have that we're going to create 3,500 jobs in a high tech, high growth industry um, utilizing assets that are underutilized all across the state. Seems it's like all good about politics, man. So you, know, <clears throat> you asked why we're getting into this is once you see how the sausage is made, you've got to do something about it or you're no better than, than the next guy, than the politician. Hmm. So, uh, what, uh, for you, Mr. Walker, um, so what do you think about who, I guess we can consider your, uh, opposing, uh, candidate who's, uh, what's John Houston. How do you feel about him? 
Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to form an opinion when you never hear, see, or find out about anything the man's done in four years. Right. <laughs> uh, outside yeah. of standing behind the wine during the wine's little COVID things, and every now and then roll his eyes like he disagreed, <laughs> but obviously didn't have the guts to stand up and say something if he did. Right. Um, he, he's literally non-existent. You never hear of anything about him. Yeah, I mean, I look at John Houston's signature effort, right? And that's to reduce the red tape in government. That was yeah. what you know he was yeah. he was tasked with is his task force is reducing the red tape in government. Um, yeah, uh, how's everyone feel that's working out for us in Ohio? Um, have you been to the DMV lately? Uh, have you tried to renew uh, you know, a, a title? Um, yeah, so uh, you know, we still have as many licenses as we had before he started that effort. Um, so yeah, it's. I don't know if it's better that he does keep his mouth shut because whatever he does uh, take on something, he doesn't really seem to get much done. <laughs> you don't see or hear, hear anything. Right. Um, and since Waylon's frozen, what, go ahead. Well, you, you brought up Nan Whaley. I mean, and yeah, all, all you've got to do is look at Dayton. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you. I've said <laughs> As a, uh, a citizen of Dayton, what's your opinion on Nan Whaley? Well, I'm outside of Dayton. <laughs> okay. Um, I know a few folks who, who live in Dayton, and there's there's pockets of good places. Uh, I think they have an issue with their police department. I think they have an issue, you know, just the leadership, where they're the guys are, they don't feel like they're empowered anymore. They just, you know, they've been let down. They had a mayor forever. And Nan Whaley, he was out there shouting against him and, you know, playing that political game. Yeah, so I mean, that's I, what happened with Dayton. And, and a lot of the businesses since, you know, I hate to say it because I'm not a huge fan of Mike Turner because uh, all his uh, Warhawk stuff. But, you know, when he left, businesses started to leave with him like NCR. NCR was uh, based out of Dayton. Uh, just a lot of different businesses left, and, and that crushes it. Uh, I think the one good thing that's keeping Dayton together is the Dayton Dragons, which came in under Mike Turner when he was mayor of Dayton. So, you know, okay. Republicans do play a pretty good role uh, in, in politics and, and driving business and things like that. But at the same time, there needs to be somebody who who has that mindset of wanting to bring in business, but at the same time understanding that this country's we the people, for the people, and it's not, by the it's people. Not, it's it's wanting to bring in business, but you, I think this kind of dovetails into a question you asked earlier that we didn't really get to. Is you know what do you think about the leadership in the state? It, yeah, my problem is you. Know, it's not about unstacking the deck with them. It's about restacking it on behalf of their team. And I think that's the biggest difference that you see with citizen candidates is I'm not interested. I, I don't have a, a team that I need to make sure that they're taken care of. Right. I want to make sure that the people of Ohio are taken care of, that my kids are taken care of, that my neighbors are taken care of. Like, that's my team. Like you, you folks are my team. Like, so you know, we want to make sure that, that, we are not making backroom deals that are front loading $600 million worth of incentives for, you know, Intel to come in. You know, we want to build an environment that is a, a good business operating environment for everyone, low taxes, access to labor, access to technology, you know, a graduates that actually know how to think. 
Um, you know, that's how you build and expand industry in a state. And the other thing is, you know, seeing how Jobs Ohio operates, um, if you want to build a, a widget stamping machine, they will give you a collateralized bridge loan for your your machine, right? But what mm-hmm. they won't do invest in R and D, or they won't invest much in R and D. They won't invest in startup costs. Um, so you, they, and the reason they do that is because if you fail, they come in, repossess your widget stamping machine, and then go sell it to the Chinese company that took your business. Well, you right. know, I believe they should take that three hundred million dollars that they're sitting on and spend it on you know investment in R and D in high growth, you know high tech, high capitally intensive industries. You know, that's how you find the next Intel that is headquartered here and not have to pay $600 million to get them to build here. Right. Rooster, are you still there? I've been enjoying the interview, but I'm such a lag. I, we're talking minutes behind. So um, I will ask one question if you can still hear me. Um, good. And, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but uh, how do you feel about China actually buying up American property. How do you feel yeah. about that? Because they, they've got a bunch of it. Yeah, that, that's something that there should be a stop put to, like, immediately. Uh, they, they shouldn't be allowed to come in and buy up our farmland. Uh, from what I've read, and I can't say that I can find anything that's 100% rock-solid sources, but a lot of this is supposedly around some of the missile silos and stuff like that. And to me, that is national security. So, yeah, there, there has to be a stop put to that instantly. So well, there's is there, any, uh, is there there's anything a, that you can do when you get in to help with that as far as Ohio or, or is it bigger than that? Yeah, no, there's absolutely. If you look at, at states like Iowa, they've done a lot to combat this already. Uh, things like you know, requiring a certain percentage of U.S. ownership in any corporation that comes in. Uh, things like uh, limiting the size of the parcels, um, you know. But you know, to Shannon's earlier point, um, I think you know the proximity to to some of our you know, national security installations is absolutely a concern. Uh, the the one that comes to mind, I think, sixty minutes did a special on it last year, where they bought a ranch that was right next to the facility where we train a lot of our. I think it's F twenty two pilots. Yep. Um, but so yeah, I mean, this is this is absolutely a problem. Um, on a national security side, you know, we'd make sure that the the right folks knew, and we'd <laughs> we would definitely keep our own eye on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look to other places uh, like like Iowa, uh, for you know, is probably the best example. Um, there's a lot that we can learn and adopt that would secure our our farmland. There was uh, something about Huawei, which is a, a Chinese cell phone manufacturer, and they make components for for towers. Uh, there was a, a former CIA agent named Mike Baker who was talking about this. And he was talking that a lot of the uh, American uh, cell phone tower uh, maintenance folks were getting Huawei components, putting them on towers, and they were putting them on towers that were around different military bases. Huh? I wonder why they would want components from a Chinese company on cell phone towers near military bases. Uh, there was something that happened in 2022 where the United States, like they passed a law, the government and said, we got to take those components down 
Well, it turns out it's going to cost billions and billions of dollars to take those components down. So some of them still may be up there today, yet we send 60, 70 billion to Ukraine to fight a proxy war over there. Right. Anyway. Um, Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of amen, I got a quick question. I uh, I hear a lot of different uh, candidates, a lot of different politicians talk about, you know, they'll mention scripture, they'll mention their faith. Do you is do you believe in separating your faith from your politics, or is it part of it? So, so let me jump on that one first. No, uh, and I'll tell you why. Because we are a Christian nation. Um, we are founded on Christian values. So that will always play a role in how I think about you know, the laws that should be passed and how we should be governed and, and whatnot. So you know, that, that's a, a foundational part of, of who we are as a nation. So now, that being said, you know, on specific instances, then yes, I, I would never let my personal opinion interfere with what I believe was best for the people of Ohio. Um, you know, just so... No, you're not electing me to imprint my personal opinion. You're electing me to represent the people of Ohio. And I think that's where we have gone so far off the rails is that our current leaders represent their corporate interests or whoever's patting their pockets, not the people. And so. Right. What about you, Shannon? I I feel the same way. I I believe in the separation of the church and the state, but my, my religion would play a role in the decision made for the state, just like the Constitution would. I I mean, there's certain things that you don't go against. Uh, You're not going to write a bill that's going to go against the Constitution. Uh, The the beliefs are going to weigh on the decision, but ultimately the decision is always going to be made for the people. Okay. But yeah, I mean, we're not going to hide the fact that we're a Christian nation. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just have to ask because usually people try to put a huge wall in between the two. And, and and I just think that if you are a Christian or whatever you are, that's what you base your your foundation of your, your morality around. And, and that's something that's that's lacking. That, that's exactly right. And, you know, whenever I introduce myself on the road, I always start and say, you know, I, I'm a Christian and a patriot, you know, husband, father. Um, so we already have, you know, the you know, my beliefs in Christianity would then be constrained by the Constitution of the United States. So that like that is how I see those two playing. But you know to say that it would have no role in in how we would govern. I mean that that's there's no way that I could sit here and say that. Nope. One one quick one to go with that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things considered hate speech anymore. Um the way that people talk, the way they say things. And it's, it's, it's a woke world anymore, but would you ever consider hate speech? Say, let me ask you, say you, a Christian nation, you, you're a Christian. If, if hate speech was um, considered part of what you believed, would you still um, stand on your beliefs? As far as because the Constitution, people, you know, diff- making laws and different things, would you stand on your faith over the the laws that were made? So, so I think this is actually a place where the Constitution and, and our faith are are congruent. Um, you know, the Constitution believes in in freedom of speech, and you know, call it hate speech. You know, I believe in freedom of speech, no matter how ignorant or ugly it is. I believe you know now you know, 
whenever you talk about yelling fire in a theater, that's different, right? But, you know, right. just saying, you know, the, the beliefs that we have seen, especially the conservative beliefs that we've seen being labeled as hate speech over the last handful of years is nonsense. It's absolute right. nonsense. I'm with you. <laughs> well, fellas, you, you've given us uh, an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to let folks know who may be watching this video before we head out? Shannon? Yeah, sure. One final thing. Uh, people want to vote for us. When they go to the polls, they need to ask for a list of the write-in candidates, and the polling location must provide that to them. And we recommend copying down the names verbatim whenever you mark the right in candidate spot. Mr. Usher? Yep. So uh, I would encourage you to, to go to our website, usherforohio.com, if you have any other questions on the, uh, the policies. Um, you know, we, uh, we've got a very lean organization. So, you know, pro tip, if you hit the info uh, button, it goes to me. Uh, so you'll be getting a re reply directly from the candidate. Uh, but no, I, I, would, I would say the one thing that I would leave you with is, you know, as a as a patriot, as a conservative in this state, what's your red line? And you know, we have all been walked up to our red line, and and I will tell you that at least for the Shannon and I, it, it's been crossed. And if your red line has been crossed, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to stand up and pay attention enough to go in and write someone's name down who will represent your interests, or are you going to hold your nose and vote for Mike Dewine out of you know fear of the lesser of two evils? You know the the fact that we've got you know, a majority in this state that will vote for their abuser because they feel that they, he will be less abusive to them in the future just is, I find, fascinating. So uh, I would ask you to, you know, to do some soul searching. You know, ask yourself, what's your red line? What do you stand for? And if you decide that Mike DeWine has crossed it and Nan Whaley's not the answer, then check out Marshall Usher and Shannon Walker. And uh, I will assure you that you'll get two candidates that are going to make the, the decisions in the best interest of, uh, of the folks of Ohio. So I, I re I'm reading a lot through social media, just real quick. I'm sorry. I know I was going to let you go. And they're, they're talking about splitting the vote, splitting the vote for me. I, I'll just say for me, I wasn't voting for Mike DeWine. I wasn't going to vote for Nan Whaley. I'm looking, there, there's quite a few write-ins. I'm looking for somebody I can vote for. If I vote for somebody that's not Nan Whaley or Mike DeWine, it doesn't mean I'm going to elect Nan Whaley. No, I didn't vote for Nan Whaley. I'm voting for somebody else. Right. Not Nan Whaley. If she wins, on her. If he wins, on him. But I think these two folks are going to win, Marshall Usher and Shannon Walker. What do y'all think about the, the uh, that, split the that's vote? A that's a great point. And actually, uh, I, I did a post about that on, on our website um, and on our Facebook site a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. But if you look at the Emerson poll that was released a couple weeks ago, uh, Mike DeWine has a 50% lead and Nan Whaley's at 32%. So two, two takeaways to, to, real quick. One is there's room to vote your conscience. Um, you know, there, and the other thing is if everybody or even half the people that said, I can't stand Mike DeWine, but I'm so afraid of, of, of having Nan Whaley would vote for us. We would win this thing going away because everybody knows that Mike DeWine is not the answer. But that's why I said, you know, do the research. If you decide that we're your, we're your team, um, you know, you get one vote. You can't split one vote unless you're using, uh, <laughs> unless you're using machines. 
<laughs> another podcast. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much for, for coming on tonight. I appreciate all your time and uh, good luck going forward. November 8th is Marshall. Uh, Marshall, Shannon, you can't see this because I'm on a 10 minute delay, but my hands are in the air. Fist bump. I'm voting for you guys. The wine's out. So you've got my support 100%. Appreciate you guys. Definitely. Thanks for having us on. The pleasure was ours. Um, And uh, get out the vote. Tell your neighbors, tell your friends. Thank you.